0: to another broadcast of obstruction to justice. I'm Ann Moles. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Mhm, yep. I am uh, super excited about today. I think we were uh, we have quite a quite a bit of interesting information to hang out and uh, share with you. Hope that you've had a great week so far. It's hump day. And yeah, we got to keep Keep moving, keep moving along. And I uh, hope that you've had a great week so far. And big shout out to all of the supporters, hmm? those that hang out with us here on the Obstruction to Justice Pro- broadcast, the podcasters. I know, I know. It's been a little while since we've had uh, one posted, but we've had some other interesting postings that are up there. So, we uh, talked a little bit about um, what was going on with the voter uh, young people and voter registration. We have been actually working with the Ross for US Senate 2020 campaign, and that's been fun. It's been pretty exciting, and I hope it's been exciting for you too. Uh, There's um, a lot of big changes that need to happen, and I'm hoping that uh, you'll get uh, this information that we're sharing with you, and take it and and you know just put it in a uh, in your your thinking cap there when it comes time to make some decisions concerning voting and participating in your community that's really what this is all about I think Uh, we've been kind of on a roll with that and what voting does is it gives you an opportunity to stay focused and knowledgeable about what's going on within your community your local community as well as your uh, county community and as well as your state community and of course your national community we're all community here so yeah today we're going to just hang out and chat talk a little bit about the voter registration process and voting rights in the supreme court have some interesting uh, information for you there and the missouri's uh, house bill 1450 and senate bill 649 and the 1619 project we're going to talk more about that. I think that's been kind of sort of a hot topic in the news, but whether it's a hot topic in the news or not, I think that what happens is we don't stay focused enough to know that it's something that we should participate in to make sure that we have our voices heard. And I'm talking about all communities, but particularly the communities that Uh, have some, some say, you know, all communities, not just, uh, you have people that are interested, you know, know, certain communities, they're interested, they go to the different city, uh, city hall conferences, and uh, city hall meetings, town hall meetings, and, you know, but really, as, as a whole, the majority of Americans, if we all voted, or the ones that could vote, just took the time to vote, I think we'd have a lot better balance. So we're going to chat about um, a little bit about that. And you know the drill. So if it's something that um, you want to chime in on, feel free to do that. Uh, It's not just a one-sided conversation here. I'm going to bring the information, but feel free to, you know, chime in and say, hey, yeah, I agree. Or "Hmm, maybe we need to rethink that. I'm good with it. Just, uh, you know, have fun here. Okay, so let me go ahead and share uh, the, um, I'm going to go ahead and share what's going on here. I'm going to share the screen and we have a, mm, we have a PowerPoint. Yeah, Vote Smart. So yeah, we're going to talk about, yeah, the voter registration and we're going to get into a little bit more about what I had shared with you earlier. Uh, Why vote? Because it's your voice. It's your right. It's an opportunity where you get a chance to say, I want this. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. And you know, we do vote. Every time we go to the grocery store, we vote. Uh, Every time we uh, go to any store, any type of time where we take our money and we vote, uh, we share or we go out there and we have to pay a bill, that's a vote. Now, that's an interesting point, too, because there's a lot of commissions out there. There's a lot of companies out there that, mm, well, they may be considered monopolies. Even though they're not legal, you know, but they're the only company that would provide that type of service. Well, if we had participated to know hmm, that they were the only company that were coming in for a bid, you know, if they were bidding on something, then you can go to the city hall, you can listen to the bids of those companies that wanted to come in and provide those types of services in your community. See, voting is just more than going to a poll and vote, even though that's very important too. So yeah, let's just go ahead and check some things out here. Now, of course, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, he is, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, americans that uh, god sent i believe and he shared so much of his intellect and thought life when he was here and having that opportunity not just being a minister of the gospel but being a minister for the the rights of human beings and speaking out against social injustice I don't know why people cringe off of that term, social injustice. Uh, We are a community. We are a community of many other communities. And what he says here, what he says here, and this was an address at the youth march for the integrated schools. It happened on April 18th, 1959. But what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says here, he says, commit yourself. the noble struggle for equal rights you will make a greater person of yourself a greater nation of your country and a finer world to live in and that's very true i agree you know so whatever term whatever term we use just to make sure that it's for uh the equal rights it's for Uh, it's a noble struggle. I do agree with that term. And uh, he definitely hit the nail on the head. What do you think? Hmm? What do you think? Do you cringe when you hear the term social social justice? Hmm. Well, kind of back to this 1965 Voting Rights Act. Okay, now we we are reminded, we're remembering that the Voting Rights Act of 1965 offered African Americans a way to get around the barriers at the state and local levels that had prevented them from exercising their 15th Amendment right to vote. Uh, After it was signed into law by Lyndon Mayne Johnson, LBJ, Congress amended it five more times to expand its scope and offer more protections. Now, this law has been called one of the most effective pieces of civil rights legislation ever enacted by the Department of Justice. It's gutting Mm, because there was a big hunk of chunk there was a decision made here it's gutting by the decision of shelby county versus holder in 2013 has led to more restrictive voting laws in the last in at least seven states so seven states have come along and said hey you know we're gonna we're going to make some more restrictive voting laws here and and but let's just check this out uh why, what is it about this Shelby County versus Holder? And what are these restrictive voting laws? Well, uh now the states covered uh, it covered by section five at the time of the Shelby County decision. So section five of the Civil Rights uh 1965 Voting Rights Act is what it was in covering it in question. It covered this. So What it did, several states have enacted laws limiting voter access, including ID requirements, limits on early voting, mail-in voting, and more. Now, I know that there was a big, big um, uproar and, you know, cry foul because of um, you know, counting the votes and, and you know, elections and the, this past presidential election. I'm not sure what happened, okay? Uh, I think that there's there's corruption that can be instituted. It can happen in any venue. Uh, their criminals are going to find a way, you know, if that's what they want to do. But um, I don't think that it should be overlooked, but at the same time, let's look at what this Shelby County versus Holder did. Uh, the very day of the decision, Texas chose to implement its voter ID law, which had been previously founded to be discriminatory since. Okay, so since then, many states have followed Texas' example by enacting laws that have made it harder for voters particularly voters of color to access the ballot box all right so when we look at this this map we're looking at states that that were covered as a whole by section five okay so section five this was these were the the requirements in the section of the 1965 voting rights act and these were the counties that were in the states that were affected by this. So you had uh, racism and discrimination, voter suppression in the state, of course, uh, Texas, southern states, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and then some counties that were uh, in the southern states and were covered by Section 5 as well. Uh, Section 5 said, look, you're going to, before you make a change, any laws regarding voting, you're going to have to get approval from the United States government to do that. And then if, if your voting changes are within reason, and it's, it's, they're not found to be discriminatory, then, you know, you can pass them. So any, any type of legislation that regarded voting had to go through the federal government. That's what the Voting Rights Act of nineteen sixty five was all about that section five. Okay, so you had the states that were affected by this. You had the southern states. you had some counties,, uh, the Florida, there were some counties in Florida, some counties in North Carolina, some counties in New York. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a southern issue. Some counties in, california the entire state all of the counties in arizona and alaska some counties in south dakota and then townships some townships in michigan were covered by this act uh as well covered by section five okay so over the past eight years um state legislatures particularly the states that previously had to submit voting changes for pre-clearance review have focused on passing laws making it harder to vote or enacting processes that and here's here the processes that have been enacting enacted okay this is what's been proposed and voted upon by the states to say okay this is what's going to happen all right so They require voter ID, where voters have limited options of the type of IDs they could use to vote. So the question of having an ID isn't really the question. Yes, you need some type of ID, but it required and limited the options of what kind of ID you could bring to the voting poll to show that you were this person, and you have the legal right to vote, okay? It, it, to, it makes it harder, and made it harder, or makes it harder because they've had, they've enacted these uh, these laws and changes within the voting laws in the state, counties, uh, They make it harder to get on or stay on voter registration polls, Hmm? So a poll is when you go and register to vote, you're on that list, that poll list. A poll is a place where you go vote. So you're on that list, that district list, that area list to say, okay, this is where you can go vote. All right. So it makes it harder to get on, Hmm? get on or stay on voter registration rolls. Okay so what are you doing i go in and i register the vote i think i'm okay what are those limitations or what are those restrictions or what's going on where they take my name off of that roll? Hmm? see so that that has to be looked at uh consolidate or disclose polling places with little or no notice to voters now consolidate polling let's start with the consolidation of the polling places the place where you go to vote uh let's see usually when you go vote and part of the the reason why i think people kind of are discouraged from voting is that the lines are long right So it's gonna take time to do. With the lines already being long, what are you going to consolidate? You're gonna close some poles down. That's what consolidation (laughs) means. I'm gonna close some poles and then I'm gonna move two poles into one location. Okay, combine them, consolidate them. So the line gets even longer. Yeah, the line gets even longer. OK, uh, consolidate or close polling places. So you, they, you just you'll have to go farther out just to vote. Now, one thing about voting in an area, in a district, in a, is that you you get to be a part of that community. It's within your community. It's within distance within your community to vote, not that you have to drive a country mile or you have to go so far to vote. Okay. Now closing the polling places with little or no notice to voters. I remember, and I've shared this story over and over again and because I think it's valid. You think that it only happens in certain communities. Well, I'm kind of in the rural community. I'm in a rural area, not so far uh, rural, but rural enough, right, to where the population is here that, um, you know, you have some that would live in, you know, it's still Jackson County, but it's a mixed demographic, primarily European American for these polls. So, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this poll is here, and I usually go to this poll to vote. Well, I get a, a letter, all right, and I, you know, it's time to vote or maybe I didn't. I don't believe I actually received the letter. I just went to the poll that I've al- always gone to. And the letter, uh, nothing said that, hey, your poll is closed. All right. So then I'm having to get on my phone and I had to, to look, I had to call, look up and call the Jackson County, register right so you call call them and you know they look it up now there's a place to look it up and what we're, we're going to look into that and share that information with you on another broadcast but you look up to where the poll is and so you get into that area I got close but they still even they split even where even the area that I voted in so I I still wasn't in the right place even though I was in the right vicinity so that's, that's what this um, this does. They don't need permission to move these polls around. And you're already burdened and frustrated, right? About having to, I have to vote because it's my right. And really, do we have a choice? Well, if you want things to get better, no. Vote. Vote and participate every in every opportunity you have go to civil, uh, civil meetings, go to the, the different, uh, city hall meetings, uh, civil meetings, the count, whatever they have going on, participate so that, you know, research, research to, uh, go out there and and we've shared the links to, to where the decisions are made for the, the Missouri legislature, right? And you can find out what bills are within interest based on who's representing your area, so it's important to vote. Okay, so make it easier. This, this, these decisions, the, the, uh, the change, the change that has had a negative pack impact because of the Shelby County versus Holder, make it easier to remove voters from voter rolls. You can just remove them. Uh, and what are those requirements okay so that is the that's the the situation with the shelby county versus holder mm. now what's the state of missouri doing with it oh let let me let's do this one all right let's talk about all right let's talk about Now, this is the Shelby County. uh, This is the map I was sharing with you. Okay. So, you had California, you had Arizona, Texas, Alaska, South Dakota, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, New York, and Michigan that that were required to send their information prior to getting approval prior to changing voter registration they had to get approval from the united states government okay now this decision was made by the u.s supreme court yeah so it's we hear about the different u.s supreme court appointees that Presidents may get an opportunity to, may get an opportunity to, um, appoint, right? We hear about that. Well, the, that's why it's important to know what kind of president you put in office, you vote in office, because it could be because of the way that our government is set up that Some of these decisions could go to the Supreme Court to decide. The same way that this decision, the Shelby County versus Holder voting rights decision went to the Supreme Court. Now, who voted which way? That's kind of what I wanted to know. I'm like, okay, well, who actually made this conclusive decision for Shelby County? in favor of shelby county alabama (laughs) the majority opinion by john g roberts jr okay so john roberts voted in favor of shelby county uh anthony scalia uh anthony kennedy oh antonin scalia Antonin Scalia. Now, hes since passed, I believe. Anthony Kennedy. Clarence Thomas voted in favor of Shelby County. And Samuel Alto voted in favor of Sher- Shelby County. The decision was that these laws are they're obsolete. They're just outdated. We don't have that type of discrimination anymore in America. This was old school. You may have needed those laws for those states and counties then, but you don't need them now. That was the conclusion. So Shelby County won the case. And now you don't have to. Those states and counties don't have to present their Voting changes to the federal government. So there's no one's monitoring it. And John Roberts said, oh, Shelby County, you're right. There there aren't any more. No, that, that's old school. Discrimination, uh, voter registration, voting injustices, that, that just doesn't exist anymore. Antonin Scalia, oh, you're right, Shelby, you're right. Those are old school. We'll get rid of those for you. Anthony Kennedy, Clarence Thomas, and Samuel Alto said the same thing. All right. Who voted against Shelby County? Okay. And for the Department of Justice, Eric Holder, because he's the one that presented the case. They presented the case. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, Shelby, what are you? You know that you still have issues down there. There's all kinds of voting issues. We vote against you. You're No, no. We're going to keep these laws, this 1965 Voting Rights Act, the same way it needs to be. We have too many issues in America where we just can't let that go. Uh, Stephen Breyer, okay, voted against uh, Shelby County in favor of the federal government monitoring the voting registration changes in laws for those states and counties sonia sotomayor sotomayor sonia sotomayor voted and elena kagan voted in favor of the department of justice eric holders eric holder's team okay voted against shelby county okay so those are the supreme court justices that voted in favor and against for and against Shelby County. Okay. That's important to know because what's happening now? Ta da! We have a new Supreme Court Justice nominee. Yeah. We have a new Supreme Court justice nominee, uh, Katangia, Katangi Katangi Brown Jackson is her name. Okay. And she is, has been nominated. So since uh, Justice Stephen Breyer, that's one of the ones who voted against Shelby County. Now he's a liberal, considered liberal. Uh, since justice stephen breyer announced his retirement president biden has conducted a rigorous process to identify his replacement president biden sought a candidate with exceptional credentials unimpeachable character and unwavering dedication to the rule of law and the president sought an individual who is committed to equal justice under the law and who understands the profound impact that the Supreme Court's decisions have on the lives of the American people. Okay, and this was announced on February 25th, 2022. President Joe Biden nominated Judge Brown Jackson to become the 116th Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. Now, she is a liberal. She is a liberal. And liberal, conservative, you know, I understand those terms. And those terms kind of make make things a little tough for us, don't they? I think sometimes they do. Because are you really being liberal if you vote one way? Or are you really being conservative if you vote another way? I think what, what you're being is you know, you should be fair um, with, uh, with what's going on and to vote according to what's right, okay? And I think that's my opinion on it. You know, share your opinion. What is the difference between the liberal and the conservative? Should those terms be, even be, you know, I think in communicating, that's why they use them, but is it a bad thing to be liberal Is it a bad thing to be conservative? I think the best thing is to be fair. And that's my opinion on it. Now, I think to know too, how a Supreme Court Justice is selected. Okay, now the President nominates someone for a vacancy on the court and the Senate votes to confirm the nominee, which requires a simple majority. Okay, so if you, got, you have more senators that say, hey, yes, then you ha- have no, then the person is, is actually voted in, confirmed, right? And this way, both the executive and legislative branches of the federal government have a voice in the composition of the Supreme Court. Now, Jackson's hearing, Judge Jackson's hearing will begin, these are c- confirmation hearings, You know, there's a formality. They ask the questions. She answers them. It's like an interview, a job interview. But the hearings will begin March the 21st. And that's a great day. Uh, My son's birthday is March the 21st. So (laughs) that's a great day. Now, how, who actually, uh, who, the president is the one that nominates someone but the ideas of who to nominate you know can come from the senators you know they can say okay well you know, i think this person would be a really great senator a uh, judge right so the judge the senator out of south carolina he wanted to nominate judge j michelle childs now she's a judge in the united states district court for the district of south carolina so he wanted to nominate her to be on the supreme court well president biden already had someone in mind but can you see how important it is to have good decision makers that have the interest of the people at heart when it comes to running and making decisions for the country, <laughs> right? Now, we have a candidate uh, that is great, right? We're looking to, we support uh, candidate uh, Dr. Gina Ross. She's running for the Missouri U.S. Senate, the U.S. Senate representing the state of Missouri, she wants to go to Washington DC, right? So that's one of the reasons why you want to get to know who's who and who's doing what, but then you get people who have the interest of the people and not just sell out, right? You want people that have the interest for the people to be a part of the process because these Supreme Court justices they're really supposed to stay there for life yeah now I know we just lost uh, uh Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg but Breyer he's just like look I'm done I- I'm out right now they have that choice because it's their life you know no one is bound to have to stay at the Supreme Court for, for the rest of their lives right But here are two fairly young women, very young, uh, where they can at least 20 years, 30 years, be a part of the Supreme Court. Now, uh, I think it's a great idea uh, to support uh, these candidates or to nominate Judge Brown Jackson. Okay, I think it's a great, great idea. I think she'll do well. All right. But I also don't want it to be played in the news to okay. Well, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you this position as a Supreme Court, and we're saying we're gonna give you the representation of the community. So we're gonna give the African American community, we're gonna give them their first black woman. We're going to give them their first black woman on the Supreme Court since its existence, 200 plus years existence. first first person first black woman on the Supreme Court. We're going to give you that position, okay But then you might have to give up other positions, you know, but people really, if we vote, they can't finagle their way around. If we vote smart, if we vote proper, you know, as far as compromise, I think that we've done a lot of compromising within the African-American community. Uh, Powernomics, and we haven't had a chance to talk much about this lately, but Dr. Claude Anderson, Powernomics, wrote the book Powernomics, the National Plan to Empower Black America. And what Powernomics says on page 204 he talks about political action as far as a step towards empowering African American communities and it doesn't have to be just African American communities we can see other communities that come together and vote hmm? and make their communities better because they vote well there's a such thing called the block vote So the block vote is like a block of people. So African-Americans are encouraged to vote a certain way. And you know that if you get this block vote as a representative, then you're going to get a big hunk of chunk of votes. (laughs) You're going to get a lot of votes. So you go into the... uh different places, the churches, the business establishments or whatever, wherever you can get a crowd. And here's what most candidates do. They go in there and say whatever is popular to say. Same old canned speeches about how they're going to help the black community. If the black community gives them their vote that's a block vote it's uh it's a. Uh, uh, there's a dilemma of the black voter there's no quid pro quo huh and here's a cartoon on page 205 of the book a cartoon of a man holding his hands up and he's like you know like getting hit the attention hey hey he says who promises and delivers to black Americans? And you can see where the black vote is in a trash can. Hmm. Now, that's not cool. The block vote... they, they look at the vote and they try to keep Americans in a box. That's something there's always a black vote, a white vote, this vote, that vote, census, what's your nationality, all this to describe. I understand that you want to be able to identify to make sure that you're helping. (laughs) Of course, it's just to make sure that everyone's getting their fair share. Well, if that's the case, then why hasn't it been working? Why hasn't it been working? Is everyone getting their fair share? Is is everyone getting uh, the opportunity? Well, block vote based upon quid pro quo agreements between politicians, their parties, and black people. And there is a section on that in the book Powernomics. I would encourage... Get get the book. Get the book. It's a great book. It's the National Plan to Empower Black America. Yes, Powernomics by Claude, Doctor Claude Anderson, and that's really what he's talking about. People want quid pro quo. You give us your vote, we'll do this. Well, I know, and I know you know of many politicians that claim they're going to help the communities and won't. They haven't done a darn thing. It depends on who they're talking to as far as their audience. One minute, their audience, they're telling their audience, I'm for you because I'm this skin color. Even the African-American, if he's not doing, he can promise whatever. But then when he's ran one term and won and then okay nothing happened don't vote for him again don't vote for her again you what do you think they're gonna do huh i believe uh, you know somebody said they're gonna do the same old stuff Mm -hmm. same old stuff tonight and that's not cool you know you if you're talking about change let's do it let's make a change and there's nothing wrong with making sure that people speak up for all people. Mm -hmm. If there is social injustice, which there is, and we've already chatted about that and talked about that. And we'll do more of that. We need to be reminded that there is a struggle, that there is a dilemma and not just think someone else is going to handle it. You know, this is your life. I can't expect someone that doesn't look like me, doesn't have the same heritage as me, doesn't have anything other than they're human, but they don't think that that I'm human. And they wrote that in the Constitution. I can't expect that I would trust someone to speak up for me. I think that's just putting too much pressure. Why should I want them to speak up for me? I should speak up for myself. There are tools, legislations, and ways to vote. Ways to vote every day of your life. And every day of our lives. And I say, take advantage and do it. All right. Um, So let's take a look at... Open and closed primaries. Okay, now we've talked about this. An an open primary is a primary election in which a voter either does not have to formally affiliate with a political party in order to vote in his primary or can declare his or her affiliation with a party at the polls on the day of the primary even if the voter was previously affiliated with a different party, right? So that just simply means if I, when I go to the polls on the primary, when I go to the polls this year, it's August the 2nd, 2022. When I go to the polls, then I can go and I know my candidate is the better candidate than what I'm used to voting for. They've proven to be the better candidate. Uh, Then I can take and ask for that ballot. I can take and ask for that different ballot other than what I was registered as. Okay. Or what I'm used to voting as. I can just get the ballot of the better candidate. Now, there's a concern with splitting the vote. I think that's hype. (laughs) I do i understand the concept but i'm not gonna deal with that fear and vote block and vote same way because there's someone that's afraid that uh if we don't get enough votes in in this block our candidates not going to win well maybe they shouldn't win yeah Yeah, maybe they shouldn't win. Maybe maybe they're not the candidate. Hmm? I think we should educate ourselves and make sure that the decision that we make in voting, that we're voting smart. We're voting knowing that that's the decision. We're not going in there guessing. Okay, boop, 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 boop. I've done that just to say, look, I went and voted. And, you know, that's my early days in voting. But I want to make sure, if I'm hearing that this person is for the people, I want to make sure that my vote counts. Now, Missouri is a uh, elections, Missouri primary elections are open. We, okay, so that the, the voter can participate in the partisan primary of his choice, his or her choice. Uh, the Kansas is a little different and I'll deal with the Kansas a little later. All right. I'm really kind of focusing on Missouri right now. Okay. Um, so let's take a look here. you are moving right along. Primary elections. All right. Now, I do want to... There is legislature already. <laughs> this legislature is in place right now in the state of missouri to change the open primary status of missouri to a closed primary status (laughs) but here's what they're calling the bill now this representative he's a republican dan stacy out of district 031 okay he proposed house bill 1450 and this bill establishes here's what they're calling it they're calling it freedom of association in political primaries protection act huh so they're wanting beginning january 1st 2023 that this bill allows established political parties to use a state-funded closed political primary system conducted by local election authorities okay we're open we're an open primary we can make that choice but here's here's a a representative that's been voted in that's trying to change that to take the right the freedom the true freedom that the missouri voter has he's trying to take it away Hmm? and this hb 1450. now go out there you can go out there to the house.mo.gov okay and you can search for the bill and search for all of the uh all of the representatives house representatives senate representatives for the state of missouri the bills house bills senate bills go to house.mo.gov and look that information up do your research now the bill is currently in committee and it's in the elementary and uh, actually it is Okay, I'm going to hold off on that one. Okay, it, it, it's the proposed, it's been proposed and they're wanting to start this new process of holding closed elections in the state of Missouri beginning January 1st, 2023. All right. Now, this gentleman, Dan Stacy, he's a part of the secondary elementary and secondary education committee. That's the point that I want to have for him. Okay, so he's running, he's writing a legislature in reference to elections. Okay, because he has that right as a state legislature, and he's writing and making decisions in the elementary and secondary education committee. All right. I mean he's he's on it. He's in there, a Republican. And I'm, you know, one way or another. If you're a good guy, be Republican. If you're a good guy, be a Democrat. I don't care. Just be right. <laughs> Why would you want to have a closed political election when open gives people more freedom of choice? Okay. That's my question. All right. So here, here's another one. And Keep that in mind, the 1619 Project. Now, we've had an opportunity to hear the big hoopla about it. It comes and goes in waves. The media will pick it up and it'll be a big topic for a while and then it'll go away. Then it'll be a big topic for a while and then it'll go away. What is the 1619 Project? Okay, the 1619 Project by Nicole Hannah Jones, it, the New York Times Magazine, a dramatic expansion of a groundbreaking work of journalism. Okay, this is journalism, this is investigative <laughs> research stuff. Okay, it's called the 1619 Project, an new origin story. It offers a profoundly revealing vision of the American past and present. Okay, In late August 1619, a ship arrived in the British colony of Virginia, bearing a cargo of 20 to 30 enslaved people from Africa. Their arrival led to the barbaric and unprecedented system of American chattel slavery that would last for the next 250 years this is sometimes referred to as the country's original sin but it is more than that it is the source of so much that still defines the united states okay so this is a historical research and this isn't the only historical research there's several researched articles and in, in information this originally the 1619 project and the subject of the 1619 project was uh, originally written by and for college students okay so this is uh, education and it really should be more than than just the education Uh, of a college student I mean this should be something that Americans need to look at if you're going to talk about social justice then you have to look at the social injustice right so there's something wrong so I need to fix it there's something wrong so we need to fix it what happened (laughs) you know and that was always my big thing I wasn't uh, born a slave. My people weren't born slaves. Somebody came, was a free person because I hear about my black heritage and how we came from people who were kings and and, and queens and from a land of plenty and and blessing, right? So how did this happen? Uh, Well, we only hear about slavery, but we never get a chance to hear about how it happened. So I think that this is an, a, a wonderful opportunity to to learn it, right? To re reaffirm it. it. This is research stuff. It's not, it's no secret, right? And why is it important? It's important not to separate or breed hate. The hate was already there. Not to separate us, but to come to a... Uh, uh understanding um there's uh there's a way to say okay well you you did me wrong and we're just gonna play like it didn't happen okay you know you said i'm sorry but it wasn't you it was your forefathers well but i'm still paying the price because it still defines the united states today we read and we understand and there's been research not just powernomics by uh dr claude anderson but you know Uh, The Black Tax, we talked about that book. There's so many books where it shows that there is social injustice. So to talk about and to educate, uh, poof, I wasn't always a slave, but that's where you, you start. You'll mention slavery, but you won't tell me how did it happen? What happened? Well, we get a chance to learn that in the 1619 Project. And then other studies and research. It's out there. There's no secret. You just go to the United States Constitution. And why was the 13th, uh, 14th, 15th? Why were they written amendments? Yeah, th- you could just go to the original document. That was written by the founders. Which was all we found here. But those that were in, in established the American government. Right? What do you do? All right, so that is uh, that project is there now, teaching America's truth. I think that here's an article that the Washington Post had, and I'm just going to quickly read it. I might go a little long today, but I'm gonna get through this. I think that this information and the other information we have is super important. Uh, for generations. Children have been spared the whole terrible reality about slavery's place in U.S. history. But some schools are beginning to strip away the deception and evasions. To evade something is just to, you know, not discuss it, just get away from it, right? Uh, By Joe Helm. Now, this article was written August 24, 2019, and he was citing how uh, this happened. How did this subject come about? But it says, Pacing his classroom in North Central Iowa, Tom McClinman prepared to deliver an essential truth about American history to his eighth grade students. He stopped and slowly raised his index finger in front of his chest. Quote, This Think about this, quote, think about this, for 246 years, slavery was legal in America. It wasn't made illegal until 154 years ago. The 26-year-old teacher told the 23 students sitting before him at Fort Dodge Middle School. So what does that mean? it means slavery has been a part of america much longer than it hasn't been a part of america okay and that opening to introduce the social studies huh that's what you learn in school isn't it a history social studies i think so So that took me to Missouri, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Yes, all right. Now, I wanted to know what were the standards? What does Missouri allow? What do they teach anyway? Do they teach slavery at all anyway? So I pulled the curriculum. It's out there on the internet at this site. Hmm? I pulled the, cur- the curriculum, PDF files, downloaded them. And went to dese.mo.gov. Okay? And pulled it. The Missouri Learning Standards define the knowledge of skills in students, the knowledge and skills students need in each grade level and course for success in college, other post secondary training, and careers. These expectations are aligned to the Show Me Standards, which define what all Missouri high school graduates should know and be able to do. I pulled the curriculum. What does it say Hmm? about slavery? What is taught? What is taught about slavery? Hmm? So I looked at the standards and here they are. Current standards, social studies, and you can pull the PDF. Social studies, crosswalks, and from k through 5 what's taught and as well uh what is taught in 6 through 12. and i went and i looked at those that information and there was little to nothing mentioned about slavery you were a slave okay Oh, it was wrong. You remember that face that the teachers would give? Oh, it was so, it was wrong. And then you were the only black student in the class or one of the only ones. I didn't go to a predominantly African-American stu- class or school. I was always a uh, one of the few, mostly, in elementary school. And then they'd have that long, oh the long face okay it was sad all right but then you tell me it was sad but then you leave it there and then you hear about all of the social injustices and the martin luther king speeches and how we had to strive to overcome and we didn't have the right to vote and we didn't have this right and we didn't have that right and we're We're the sickest in the nation. We're the poorest in the nation. We're we're the worst in the nation. That's all you hear in the media. That's all you hear in the classroom. Huh? I wanted to know. what, What is this all about? Yeah, they're still not teaching anything. So here, today in history, August the 10th, I wanted to pull up. I wanted to talk a little bit about whether or not Missouri, what happened. Now, they talk about the Missouri Compromise. On August 10th, 1821, Missouri entered the Union as the 24th state. Named after the Native American people who originally inhabited the land, Missouri was acquired by the U.S. as part of the 1803 Louisiana Purchase. Okay, so I look at the map and I see the map and here Missouri you have the state of Missouri brought into the Union 1821 but then there's a there's a Missouri Compromise Hmm? there's a territory an unorganized population what is it about this slavery the pink shows the states that had slaves missouri is one of them all right in an effort to preserve the balance of power in congress between slave and free states the missouri compromise was passed in 1820 admitting missouri as a slave state and maine As a free state. So they continued. Dividing up this land. That was purchased. Stolen from the Native Americans. Stolen. And then purchased. By the French. From the French (laughs) Louisiana. Purchase. Uh, So they just dividing up the land. Just took over. Divided it up. And the way that Missouri. Became a slave state. Is that it was part of the Missouri Compromise that Missouri would be a slave state and Maine would be a free state? And I'm sure we're familiar with the Missouri Compromise. Okay, so what is this all about? We're looking at House Bill 1457. Here's the key it prohibits. This is state legislature that's being proposed by the candidates that have been voted in. Okay, now did did was there any vote to by the American people? No, you know, to say that they don't want to to be educated on what's going on with, uh, with what happened in slavery, to bring closure, to bring, uh, information, education, reparations, huh? (laughs) Who agreed to this? These candidates, people that you vote in. All right, so House Bill 1457 prohibits the use of the 1619 Project Initiative of the New York Times in the public schools of the state prohibits the use so you can't use that censorship you can't use any information from the 1619 project to teach in the elementary secondary education public schools in the state of Missouri this is the proposal okay currently The bill currently does not, is not on a house calendar. So it's been proposed. A hearing hasn't been scheduled. This person is a Republican. He's from district 152 Hardy Billington. Okay. He's the one that is sponsoring this bill. He's proposed this bill and they want to make it effective August the 28th, 2022. They're wanting to say that you can't teach anything that this 1619 Project is talking about. What does the 1619 Project talk about? The history of how slavery got started in America. And it brings it up, teaching the history and brings to the history, the current history of what we deal with in the United States of America today. They don't want that. They don't want any teaching. Now it does say that the bill, even though it's not scheduled, it's proposed and let's see, it is. Uh, it's not on the House calendar. All right, so it's in committee. That's what I was looking for. It's been filed, it's in committee. So, what committee? It's referred. Two, it's been given to the secondary elementary and secondary education committee. Who is a part of that committee? Hmm. Who is a part of that committee? The gentleman representative Dan Stacy, who also wants and has proposed closed elections. In the state of Missouri. Hmm? Or you don't have the freedom to walk up to that poll. After you've done your research. And you've made your decision of who you want to vote for. In that primary. He's part of that committee. That education committee. He's part of the elementary and secondary education committee. These are people that you vote in. That have been voted in the state of Missouri. That's why it's important to vote. So not only do the legislature, the current representatives, they don't want to be taught the history, the true history of what happened and why social injustice still is relevant, prevalent. What is happening today? It's happening today. Even though it's happening today, they don't want to squash it. They, they want, they don't want to come to a resolution. They just want to pretend like it doesn't exist. And for every pastor, preacher, bishop, I don't care what you call yourself, who booms out of the pulpit to say that this, the 1619 project is, uh, uh, dividing. It's just education. It's information. And it doesn't teach hate. It teaches history. Now, if the history happens to be hate, then deal with the hate. That's what we deal with as Christians. We deal with the hate. We bring the love. We bring bring the the issues to the table and we talk about them. We reason through them. Okay? Okay. But don't squash it and say, "Oh well, it's it's not something that we should pay attention to and you're and you're just d- causing division. No, you're not. You're bringing education and information so that people can come together and bring closure to a wound and issue. You know, so anyway, that is what has gone on with this, okay. Now, this guy here, Senator Rick Bratton, B-R-A, Bratton, B-R-A-T-T-I-N. All right. Now, there's a Senate bill out there. So you have your House and you have your Senate. There's a Senate bill out there that also attacks to censor and silence the 1619 project senate bill missouri senate bill 694 under this act school districts are prohibited from teaching about the 1619 project or any successor theory or concept critical race theory or any successor theory or concept and any divisive concepts as such term is defined in the act districts are also prohibited from certain actions listed in the act relating to curriculum and instruction Wow, it goes on in adopting the essential knowledge and skills for the social studies for each grade level from kindergarten through 12th grade. Each school district shall adopt knowledge and skills that develop each student's civic knowledge as set forth in the act. They're not teaching anything, nothing about slavery. Oh, black people were slave. Oh, that's a shame. That's it. So then, children that are taught that in any school district, that it's a shame, but then you grow up and as you live life, when you see black, you're going to think slave and what a shame. Mm -hmm. And this is another Republican, District 31, and he's out of Barton, Bates, Cass, Henry and Vernon counties, Mm -hmm. Senator Rick Bratton, go out there and check them out, creates provisions related to public school curriculum and instruction. That's how vague the title is for Senate bill 694 creates provisions related to public school curriculum and instruction. So if you don't know what it's saying, you go into the voting booth or they're passing it and you think, oh, well, that's okay. It's okay to create, you know, related to public school curriculum and instruction. You know, it's okay, but it's not okay. Children are being miseducated to continue to be divided, miseducated to not appreciate and respect each other. They're taught that some are okay and some are slaves. What a shame. I'll never forget those faces. Yeah, so this is another vague term vague title for a bill that is just devastating yeah the house bill 1450 the bill establishes The Freedom of Association in Political Primaries Protection Act. That sounds really good, doesn't it? But it is. You're talking about chains. That's a chain. That's a handcuff right there. That's taking away your right to think for yourself. And to be able to change your mind. If so, be it not having to spin around at the drop of a dime because now you need to change your your status so that you can vote for the candidate that's the better candidate and you only have 2 weeks to do it. Yeah, what a what a mess. But this is nothing. This is what happens. All right. This is what happens. That's what happens when we don't pay attention. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. We let someone else make decisions for our lives. And we just hope or maybe that they're going to make the right decision. But they can't. They're not going to. They haven't been informed to do so. They haven't been uh, uh they haven't been taught to do so uh, the decision makers haven't been they don't even have an interest to do so there there's no interest there's no incentive there's no financial <laughs> incentive social hmm? uh, there's there's nothing there to say that they have to yeah what a shame we wonder why we're in the state we're in in america we wonder why well vote vote smart vote for candidates that research and listen and think through policies and issues to make sure they don't truly divide and hinder and alienate Americans into boxes, blocks, where they don't talk to each other. And this is something I'm... (laughs) I had a great conference this weekend. You want to do some research? Listen to Dr. William uh, Willie James Jennings. Hmm. Get your books powernomics Hmm. get your books powernomics and other information here's another one the original meaning and continuing reliance on the 13th amendment Hmm. and do your research don't just get information from the, the everyday media you turn on the news and you hear a blurb and They get a chance to throw out these terms and flowery titles that they put on legislature that is really cutting your own throat. Cutting the throats of Americans to silence and just destroying any opportunity to learn and to educate and to unify communities. Yes, things are hard. It's not easy to listen and to talk. Even within our own families, there's challenges. But it has to be done. If you want a better America, well, what about this candidate here? Dr. Gina Ross. Ross for U.S. Senate. Go out to her website at www.rossforussenate.com. And check out her, her website and look at her platform and things that she says that she supports. Go out there and listen to some of the speeches that she's made. That, you know, they don't get long to talk. Check out some of the things that she's done and what she shares. She's for all Missourians, not just some, not just African-Americans, but those that are in rural areas as well. Hmm? Don't think that because we're separated by the color of our skin. That we're not being affected in the same ways. Regardless. To where we live. Yeah. Regardless to what counties there are. But we're not going to get there. We're not going to get to the resolution in the unification of America. If that's the goal just by burying our heads in the sand and evading the conversations like how to educate children and young people when it comes to the history of the greatest atrocity and social injustice that's ever been committed here on this land that and of course the Native American issue—that's what they call it—the Indian issue—that's what they called it. But the the things that happened to the Native Americans, the genocide on that community, those communities. Hmm. What are we gonna do? We're gonna vote. We're gonna educate ourselves. Yeah. We're gonna support donate vote with our dollars yeah we're going to educate ourselves about what really is going on i'm going to get out of the cbd shops you know i don't care how natural it is i don't care how legal it is whatever takes and distorts the mind and distorts the ears because what happens is you know you sitting up there tripping and full and they're just writing down kinds of legislature to put handcuffs on you handcuffs on your body and your mind to where you can't learn anything publicly which is another point we're going to have to come and bring the education into our homes all races all nationalities all ethnicities all class structures educate your children at home stop the segregation and hate and the oppression and the all of the the hate within the home teaching that the truth about who we are as believers as christians not that backward stuff. Ham and came, ham and sham or. Who we, no. No. Let's talk about Jesus. Get into that and teach it, teach the love in the community and the unity. and see what happens. See if we can get a better, a better America. Stand up for what's right. Mm. Martin Luther King says, commit yourself to the noble struggle of equal rights. You'll make a greater person of yourself, a greater nation of your country, and a finer world to live in. Yeah. All right. I'm done. Hold on. Hold on. And uh, as I always say, if the Lord says the same, I'll see you next time. Justice 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 now.